0: Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Every tittle, every dot, it's all in there for a specific pers- purpose. And a lot of times we go back into the Old Testament. We read through the genealogies and we end up falling asleep and then pretending like we did and then telling everybody, well, we read the whole Bible, but you actually just skip through all the genealogies because it was just too much the, to bring uh, yourself to trying to embarrass yourself like I'm going to right now and trying to uh, announce or pronounce uh, some of these names that are in here. But I heard one of the best messages I ever heard in my life. This is not going to be one of them, obviously. Um... But I heard one of the best messages in my life said that Joseph was a, uh, didn't end up a king, but he ended up being a king maker. And, um, and that's what drove me to go to this and to, and to years ago to, to write this message because it was so important to me. So I hope it, it helped you a little bit. So we're going to read the genealogy here, starting right reverse one. And, and please bear with me uh, be, uh, and give me a little bit of room to mispronounce things, okay? The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Judas begat Fer- Ferris and Zerah of Tamar, and Ferris begat Ezra, and Ezra begat Amram, And Amram begat Aminadad, and Aminadad begat Nahshon, and Nahshon begat Salmon. And Solomon begat Boaz of Rekhub, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon uh, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Isn't that amazing that's in there? You know, that's how much God was hurt through all of that. And Solomon begat Robom, and Robom begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and Asa begat Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Azias, and Azias begat uh, Joatham, and jo- uh, Jonathan uh, begat Achas, and Achas begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat uh. Draconis, uh yeah, Draconis and his brethren about the time they were carried away into Babylon and after that they were brought to Babylon. Draconis begat Selethio and Selethio begat Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel begat Abiad, and Abiyad begat Eliakim and Eliakim begat Azor and Azor begat Sadok and Sadok begat Achim and Achim begat Eliad and Eliad begat Eleazar and Eleazar begat Matanam and Matanam begat Jacob and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon uh, are 14 generations. And from the carrying away from Babylon unto Christ are 14, gen- or 14 generations. I believe that's 42 generations. I don't have it written down here, but if you add that up... I I think, why is that so important what we just read? You ever thought of that? This starts the Christmas story. Right here, what you're reading. So the Christmas season, when you think about it, for the Christian, and, I, and this is why it's so important to me, is so much more than just giving and receiving. Right. We know who Jesus is, and we know uh, why he came. We understand the meaning of Christmas. We know it's, it's our roots, right? We know it's our roots. If you're born again and you've done any type of study throughout the Bible, you know that uh, there's, there's got to be a little more to it than just uh, being born a baby and, and celebrating Christmas with presents and doing all that stuff. It's gotta, you know, it's, we, we, we look at all those things and we just think, wow, this is uh, so fun and the parties and celebration. But it goes way back for us. You have to understand that it goes way back for us. It's not about Charlie Brown. You know, he's been around for a long time. Old Saint Nick, I don't even remember. I think it was, it was back in the early 1400s or 1600s or something like that, that. That was brought about, that myth. But it's not about that, you know, making his way around town and giving gifts and doing all that stuff. It's about a Savior. And it's about a Savior who was predicted to come to bear our sins, take our shame, so we could bear his name. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. Really? All of that was about, now I don't have to tell you this all this because I'm preaching to the choir here. But uh, if there's anybody within my voice that doesn't understand a little bit about what Christmas is really all about, um, when they start to research it, they're going to have to have something to put their feet into or something to ground themselves understand who Jesus is, why he came, and the purpose of it all. So genealogies are important to God for many reasons, but it's very clear here that God wants us to know the genealogy of his son to, know, uh, to prove his promises can be trusted. So he went way back, way back. And that's why I said this morning, going way back to my childhood, I can remember when churches were packed. Uh, I'm talking all churches too. They were just all packed and everybody was out on that day. I remember when Easter, you remember Easter when all the ladies used to wear their bonnets? Oh, I, I do. I remember my grandmother wearing this netting over her face. I don't know what that stuff was back then. But she had this little cap on with a feather coming out of it and netting over her face and and it was also very, very special. So I want you to put your thinking caps on for a minute. Christmas is a reminder that we have far more to be thankful for than just celebrating the day. And there's a lot of heretics out there. A lot of people that emphasize things uh, in other words they're, they're squeezing in on the net as Jesus said instead of on the things that are important Christmas night you know telling you shouldn't have Christmas trees or you know they're bad or anything and they just don't listen to all that stuff because it's so much more important than that and I'm never going to come up here and hammer on my people here about doing something or not doing something but Jesus never did that to his followers he did that to the Pharisees yeah but he never came in and just jumped all over his people, or the ones that were trying to trust him, the ones that were trying to follow him. He never did that. He just kept preaching the truth and telling them kindly and compassionately where they need it. And that's what I'm trying to do here this morning. So it's a reminder. It's a big reminder. We have so much to be thankful for because we've already received the greatest gift ever promised by God. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's the greatest gift that could have ever been received in any realm of life. So the gift of Jesus Christ is revealed in three ways. You understand that, right? I need to first put this down as the foundation, right? The gift of Jesus Christ is God's gift, is, is the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, 1 John 5.12 says, He that hath the Son had life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Second Corinthians nine fifteen says, Thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. So the first part of God's gift is the person of Jesus Christ. The second part of God's gift is the promise of eternal life. It's a, you know, it's a multifaceted gift, and I think we don't always understand that. Uh, we just think we see, receive Jesus, we receive the gift, but you receive so much more. You get the promise of eternal life. It says, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. And the third part of Jesus' gift, which is probably the most important for us, is the eternal, internal presence of God. All of you who are born again here this morning has God living within you. Isn't that amazing? How do you make that reason in this mind, especially in this mind? He indwells in every believer. That's the eternal mystery revealed, that you can have God himself living within you and when I, may I just say this I, I'm not a judgmental person but you can tell if somebody's truly saved by their fruit because when God moves in he cleans house and all the other things that are in there that shouldn't be in there he kicks that out he takes presidency he once has once he has residency he starts cleaning house and you see things change in people's lives they kick out all the things that are bad for the body They kick all the things that are bad for the mind. They kick out all the things. He kicks out all the things that are bad for the soul. So how how do we know Jesus was the undeniable Messiah promised to all of us as our king? And he gives his bloodline, that's what he does, to start the whole process here. And that's what I want to share with you this morning for a few minutes, right? Here in Matthew, God shows us the bloodline of Joseph. Uh, and by the way, Luke is more about Mary, but here he's talking about the bloodline of Joseph to prove it. Here, here in Matthew, God shows us the, this bloodline to reassure us, right? So we have a foundation, all right, to go back to a point of, of uh, when it starts. So, you know, when you think about that. Uh, my uh, uncle and my, my, how many, you don't know this, but my grandmother's name, you're going to, when you hear this, was Jesse Owen. You all know Jesse, Jesse Owens, right? The black man that won the Olympics in front of Hitler? Well, it's funny that my grandmother was named Jesse Owen, And her brother, uh, Bill Owen. He, he went and he did a genealogy all the way back to the Mayflower. I have three relatives that were on the Mayflower. And it's amazing. And I think we have three pastors in the lineage of that side, just the Owens side, coming through. We had some heroes in the Civil War. Right? All that stuff we found out by going back to the genealogy, right? Going back, I, I encourage you to try to do that when you find out who you who you came from and what, why. And sometimes you can see how God brings you about. But here, I want to share with you these bloodlines because they're very, very important here for us. To, the first one is this, and, I, and and if you got a pen, it's good to mark these down. He was showing you a traditional bloodline. Now, you all have a traditional bloodline. There's nothing out of the ordinary here by the way of this genealogy, gene, genealogy, the way it was written. But notice that Matthew calls his book, he calls the book here, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. So Matthew begins to here, the lineage of Christ from a traditional standpoint. He begins with Abraham, then takes it all the way through to Jesus. And you can see it, I can't pronounce them all, but you can see, and you know these characters, even though they might be uh, pronounced a little differently here, but he takes you all the way through. And he brings you all the way through, through 40, 42 generations, all the way through down to Jesus. So the lineage of Jesus Christ is clearly rooted in the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. And Matthew here, he makes, it, makes sure his audience realizes is, that they know this. It's his Jewish audience. That's who he's trying to reach here. So the Gospel of Matthew, when you think about it, is unique among the four Gospels in that that it it presents the coming of Christ from a traditional perspective of his Jewish roots. Now, I don't know. My wife is uh, Irish and German. Most of my descendants are from Great Britain. I don't know who your descendants are, but you have a traditional genealogy. So the Gospel of Matthew is unique, right? Could this be him who was promised to us by God? Well, he provides numerous details to which would stir, at least stir the Jewish curiosity. And and the prominent distinction of Christ and Matthew is that of a coming king. Thus, much of the book is uh, presented from that perspective: that our king is coming. So yeah, Israel and Judah over the nation, uh, over the span of its long history, and had 42 kings, but the coming king promised by God was going to be a literal descendant of David. And the Davidic covenant was God's promise to Israel that uh, that she would one day produce her own eternal king and and then he would receive them. And therefore the coming kingdom would be found in the person of its king, promised to her by God, which was God himself. And, And Matthew thus notes that our Lord was the son of David, the son of Abraham. So, you know, when when you look at all this, being Matthew's uh, target audience was the Jewish people, he goes straight to the traditional hearts of their lineage. Right? And that's the way you reach a person, uh, reach a Jewish person. they're not as easy to win to the Lord as a Gentile because they've got traditional roots. In other words, the only thing it gets them is when they get curious Because they can't understand how you, a Gentile, would know God better than them who they believe are the chosen people in which they are. So that's what drives them to try to figure out what's going on in your life, at least if you display Jesus Christ in your life. They want to know, how is this happening? So Matthew is not only the gospel of God for everyone, it's the gospel of God for Israel in particular. And and Matthew proves Jesus is the son of Abraham and hence a descendant of the Abrahamic covenant. He did all that just in that beginning. And as the seed of Abraham, Jesus was one of them. He was just telling you that, right? Okay, everybody, listen, here's your Messiah. Maybe you don't believe it, but he's at least one of us. You know, I remember when uh, I tried to lead a Jewish man to the Lord once. He was a friend of mine in town, and I loved him dearly. He was such a kind man. And I would share with him the gospel, and he would always say this at the end. He, go, he just would say this to kind of humor me, I guess. He goes, well, Jesus was a good boy. You know? And I said, at least if I got that much in him, right? that Jesus was a good boy, because there's a lot of Jews that don't think he was. So Matthew proves that Jesus is the son of Aaron, and he was not only the Christ, he was their Christ, right? their Messiah. He is the king of kings. Not only was it a traditional bloodline, though, number two, it was a threaded bloodline. And this is the part that's hard for the Jewish to understand, but we can understand it. Now, what do I mean, do I mean by a threaded bloodline? Well, there's a very noticeable scarlet thread that runs through this bloodline of Jesus. its not It wasn't just royalty. The first one was royalty. This one isn't so much about royalty. <laughs> Royalty. As a matter of fact, it's pretty far from royalty. So I want you to notice that the lineage of Jesus comes through the house of Boaz. Rahab was the mother of Boaz. Rahab was a harlot, she was the harlot of Jericho. So Boaz eventually married Ruth, of whom Obed was born, and Obed was David's grandfather, therefore, a descendant of Jesus. By most accounts, this would be considered not acceptable. This is a tainted bloodline. And if that's not enough, also in the lineage of Jesus, Tamar is mentioned. Now, how many of you remember Tamar? Right? Yeah. What? Tamar, of all people, the widow of Ur and Onan, who played a harlot to trick her father-in-law, Judah, to have sex with her? Yikes. And that's in the lineage. Right? These women were far from royalty but more rather women of ill repute. So, so these were definitely, now think about this, outcast. I don't know about you but when I got saved I knew I was an outcast. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I deserved hell. It's interesting here that God would use two prostitutes and a Moabite woman named Ruth who was brought back from that Moabite Uh, Moabite wash pot to bring his son into the world and he includes it in the genealogy is is it any wonder now think about this any wonder that Jesus went out of his way to meet a woman at the well who had five husbands or to forgive a woman who was caught in adultery is any wonder of that what a wonderful treasure we have in Jesus He loves everyone, and and no one is left out because of their faults, failures, or foolishness, or their culture, or color, or anything. He just sees them all the same, and he loves them all. These women would have been stoned to death, by the way, but instead they were forgiven and given new lives and new meanings in the kingdom of God. So the greater message for all of us is that all three of these women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, were all Gentiles, just like you and me. Isn't that great? And this is not a coincidental lineage, by the way. That, my friends and family, is providential love. And God, in the very foundations of Israel, was laying the foundation for you and I. You hear me? You and I to be a part of the bloodline of Jesus. It's amazing. He loves everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever... Boy, isn't that whosoever is Wade Prime? It was the Wade Prime that was unsaved. The Wade Prime that did a lot of stupid things before he got saved. He loves everybody. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but long long-suffering to, to usward. He's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. I, I I posted a, a comical meme to my kids this week, uh, and I forgot what it was called, uh, the Calvinist Christmas or something like that. It is hilarious. I, if anybody wants to hear it, just text me, I'll send it to you. It talks about Jesus walking in and saying, Behold, you know, this is for you, Joseph, but not for your friends. It's amazing how, how we have taken that so far. But without this lineage printed in the Word of God, we would never understand the unwavering love God has for us as Gentiles now here's the third thing this is probably the most important thing but it's a theistic bloodline now Matthew made sure of course by the inspiration of God that the bloodline could not be questioned or found in contempt when it came to Jesus being from God but also God so, the unveiling of Israel's Messiah and our Savior was at stake. If Israel missed Jesus, they'd miss their Messiah and everything they had been hoping for. And there he was, right there, born in a manger. So, Jesus could be trusted as a true Messiah because it's all documented in the bloodline of Matthew, yes, for all the evidence everyone would need. But when Matthew began his gospel with the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, that word translated as generation is the word Genesis. So Genesis means origin or beginning. So in other words, the book of Matthew is the book of origins or the origin of Jesus Christ or the genesis of Jesus Christ. So what is recorded here is actual uh, divine genealogy in origin, right? The bloodline, of the son of god himself. In verses 6 through 11, the lineage of Christ flows exclusively through the royal line of David up to the time of Babylonian captivity. And then the lineage of Jesus Christ continues verses 12 through 15 through the royal line during the captivity and restoration and it all points it it, it was all to point them to the word Emmanuel. God, say it with me. With us. It's a theistic bloodline. God, before the foundations of the world, where there was no time, right, decided he was going to send his son into the world after he created man to save man from the world. Because he knew before time that man was going to reject him. I'm going to tell you something. That's what I call true love. He could have dumped the whole plan, couldn't he? But you know why he didn't? Everybody take your finger. Got it? Point it right here. This way he didn't. He didn't abandon the plan. Why? He knew you were going to sin against him. And he could have just canceled the whole thing out and said, well, we'll just try again. Or we'll be like a Calvinist and make everybody saved. They'll never make a mistake. They'll be like robots. No. No. Instead, because of the way he loves you and loved you prior to creation, he said, no, you're too important to me. I'll sacrifice myself if I have to, to have you for myself. So it's a traditional bloodline. It's a threaded bloodline. It's a theistic bloodline. But here's the most important part. It's a triumphant bloodline. You know, going hand in hand with a theistic bloodline was a triumphant victory that came from the life of Jesus Christ. You know, when you look at verse 16, it says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called what? The Christ. It's important to note that the expression changes here. Jesus was not begotten of Joseph. Do you notice that? It's all about begat, begat, begat. He was not begotten of Joseph. It's very clear he wasn't. The word translated as begat is a term referring to a male's role in the procreation of his life. Wade Prime begat Amanda Trainer. who's sitting in this thing. Right now. But he had nothing to do with Amanda trainer's salvation. That came from God himself. So it's important to note, right, that Jesus was not begotten of Joseph, right? He was born of God. Uh, the, Jesus was born of Mary, but not begotten of Joseph. Yeah, born of Mary, and I could go another, me- whole me- another message on that, but I don't have time to do that this morning. But Matthew clearly is laying a profound foundation for a profound truth. Jesus Christ was virgin born. My grandmother, remember I told you about, wore the hat, Easter, where the thing comes over, the thing. And, and I, I don't remember a lot about her, because she died before I was, um, I, actually she died, uh, uh, she did die after my mother died. Uh, but I don't remember a, a whole lot about her, except she was pr- pretty mean. I loved her to pieces, but um, she just wouldn't let us do certain things. I mean, she put the, she laid down the hammer sometimes and that bothered me. But one thing I remember, and I'll never forget as a kid, isn't it amazing how God embeds this memory into my head? And it helped, helped me later in my process of salvation. They were talking one night in the living room and they were talking about this thing about being born again and all that. And I remember listening to it all. And I don't think they were in agreement with all that. But I remember listening to the conversation, and I remember my grandmother saying, all of that would be good, I would believe it all, except for one thing, there's no way that Jesus could have been born of a virgin. That's the one thing that kept her from believing. There's just no way. There had to be a man involved. Now, that's all I knew at that point. So I I just have that memory. But listen, Matthew clearly is laying a profound foundation for a profound truth. Jesus Christ was virgin born. Here the word Christ appears for the second time in the Bible, the first time in verse 1, and the word Christ, Christos, literally means the anointed one or the Messiah that was going to be born and given to the world, which they all knew about if they knew their scriptures. So, for unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Deity, the Mighty God. He's called the Mighty God. Isaiah 9, 6. Luke 1, 35. And, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Isn't this all good stuff? To the Jewish mind, now listen to To the Jewish mind, the anointed one was a clear reference to the ultimate king of Israel, the Messiah. Their Messiah, the perfect one, the one who would be revealed to them, who would be the Savior of the world. He would be holy, anointed by God. Thus the anointed one was a clear reference to the King Jesus, the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior of the world, right? given to us by God who would have no sin about him. First uh, John five one says, Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, th- that begat, loveth him, also that is begotten of him. That's pretty cool there, that statement. That's first John five one. So ever, whosoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. Hmm. And then and then verse four says in first John five, and whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. Why? even our faith. So there's no works involved in this, isn't there, is there? You're overcomers simply by faith. You receive Jesus just by faith, that's all. No works involved. Doesn't matter what's in your lineage or your genealogy, it doesn't matter how many times you failed, what you've done, God's saying, I love you in spite of you. Right? I don't like that statement, he, loves, he just loves everybody. No, he loves you in spite of you. In spite of what you've done, he still loves you. He just does love you the way you are. He, won't, he doesn't want you as a sinner. He loves you in spite of the way you are. What makes it a triumphant genealogy is that you, are now, uh, um, you can now be born into the kingdom of God by a simple decision of a mustard seed of faith to receive Jesus Christ, God himself. That's as triumphant as it gets. I don't know about you, but I think about it every day. Every day, I think about my salvation. I did not deserve any of it. I knew what I deserved. Just like every child that Rebels against their parent. They know they deserve what they get. Even then, they cry, "Oh, don't do this! I didn't do it!" You know, they all know it. Jesus answered and said unto them, "Very, very! I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Blinded until we're born again. So, being born again into the kingdom of God is just one decision, away for every creature. No one's exempt, and no one's excluded." There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, that light, Jesus. No, he wasn't. But he was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. What? I don't understand where the... Cal- Calvinists can read things like this and then say only certain ones are chosen. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, the Jewish nation, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Right? No one's exempted, no one's excluded. If you were brought into this world, now listen to me very, very closely. If you were brought into this world, it was to believe on Jesus Christ. That's why you were brought into the world. To believe on him and be born into the kingdom of God and live eternally with him. So if you're sitting here with a personality and a soul and a body, you're here for one purpose, and that was to believe on Jesus Christ and build his kingdom. That's how much he loves you and wanted you into his genealogy what a mighty God we serve amen for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior 1 Timothy 2 3-6 who will have all men to be saved and to come to unto the knowledge of the truth for there is one God one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself a ransom for who? Well, just those that were predestined. Am I right? Is that what it says? For just those that were predestined? All. For all. To be testified in due time. I have no idea why I didn't get saved earlier than I did. I don't have no any, any idea on that. Um, when I, Where I am now, I look back and say, I wish I had gotten saved when I was a little kid. But God knew in due time, the perfect timing, which I have a message about that, in the fullness of time, he knew when to send Jesus, and he knew when I would receive Jesus. Could that time, the perfect time, due time, could that be right now for somebody in the sanctuary to receive Jesus? Could it be somebody within my voice that's on whatever we're posting this on, YouTube, Facebook, could this be the time, the fullness of time, the due time to receive Jesus? Can I just say to y'all, listen, it's a traditional bloodline. We can't even, I mean, God in his word. I was, I was listening to Joan this morning. She said, I don't know. I just, not so good about all the commentaries. But she said, this thing is what I go by. And, and, I, and I got thinking about it. It is absolutely what we go by. And everything's in, needed in there for you to be saved and to prove who Jesus is to you. What a mighty God we serve, right? It's a threaded bloodline. There's a blood, there's an actual bloodline that goes through and it's tainted. Anybody in here without sin? I don't see many hands. Thank God for that threaded bloodline. It was a theistic bloodline. Let me ask it this way. Anybody here think they're God? But how many of you know you're the son or daughter of God? And then it's a triumphant bloodline because of Jesus Christ. So let's bow our heads for a moment, close our eyes. Let your hearts be open. I invite you now to call on Jesus. He's your God, he's your Christ, he's your savior. If you're Jewish, he's your Messiah. And just accept the invitation. I don't think he could have made it any clearer to anybody within my voice. With just that simple genealogy in Matthew. He's given you, he's erased all the excuses. And if you think you've trusted Christ and your life hasn't changed, you probably haven't trusted him. If you're still doing the same old things and... You probably ought to re-examine yourself this morning. I'm not the judge here. I can't judge anybody. But he can. So lay your life before him this morning and say, Lord, I thought I was saved. But I know now you are the Savior. And I know you can change everything. It's the same process. Just admit, right, that when You're a sinner with no way to save yourself from the penalty of your sin. And your sin debt that you must pay is eternal death, separation from God forever. And then just acknowledge it, that Jesus paid for your sin debt by dying in your place on Calvary's cross. He satisfied God's wrath. He gave you mercy you didn't deserve, by the way, and kept you out of hell to keep you out of hell. So you can live with him forever in heaven and then just accept him. By faith, what little faith you have. It'll move that hardened heart of yours, that mountain of hardness in your heart, it'll move it away and allow your eyes to be opened, right? To see Jesus and just accept him by faith and the free gift of eternal life. And then you have the promise of him indwelling within you. If you'll sincerely pray right now for Jesus to save you, he will save you from your sin and re- you must just receive him as your Savior. Just simply say something. It's not the prayer that saves you, obviously. It's Jesus who saves you, but he did say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means there's got to be some type of call of faith. Just call out and say, Jesus, I love you. I know that you're the Savior. I, I, was, I was just proven from the Scriptures. It was just proven from the Scriptures. You're God himself. You're the king we've been waiting for. You're the king I need in my life right now. My life's out of control. Come now, Jesus, and save me. That's all. Just say yes to Jesus. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, anybody said that prayer? Would they like to acknowledge by the raised hand here? Anybody at all? I just asked Jesus to save me for sure. Amen. Just raise your hand. I won't She had Just say amen. Anybody at all? Here's something interesting here I close with and we're done. Keep your heads bowed. I don't doubt after a message like this there's someone within my voice who's still confused, but now, now is just a little more curious and just wants a little more, wants to know a little more. Can I just say to you that I would come to your house in a heartbeat. I would stay after this church for as long as it took to share with you who Jesus is and how you can know him as your Savior. Is there anybody here by the raised hand would say, you know, I just am listening to all this stuff. I just want to look. I just, I'm listening. I'm listening. I just want to know a little more. Can you just help me with that by the raised hand? Anybody in the sanctuary today? I don't think there would be, but it doesn't matter. If there is, I'll help you. Let's all stand. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.